This is Bill Woods up in Sun Valley, Arizona, reminding you again there's still power in the blood. Whatever you're facing today, Jesus will face it with you, and he'll give you strength for whatever you have to go through. I was thinking with all this talk about the Great Reset and the pandemic and the mark of the beast and all these things that are going on, that maybe it would be refreshing if we talk a little bit about heaven today. That's the reason we're doing all this is so that we can go to heaven and be with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And I want to say to you, I want to meet you in heaven. You know, on Sundays when we get home from church, Marty and I have been watching Pastor David Jeremiah on television. He's been doing a fabulous job of describing heaven. And he backs everything he shares with scripture. Uh, I was surprised how much the Bible has to say about what heaven's going to be like. But I got to thinking how important it is for Christians to realize that we're just passing through this sick world, that we have a home beyond the river. Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. What a wonderful privilege to know that we've been included. We have real estate over there, and John describes some of it for us in Revelation chapter 21, verses uh, uh, through 22, 5. He says, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river from the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God uh, and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street on each side of the river. It grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. You know, people don't think too much about heaven today. I mean, we're so busy planning our future and making plans to be comfortable here on earth. An article titled, Are We Ready for Heaven? written by Maurice R. Irwin notes, only 34% of the American people claiming to be Christians attend church at least once a week. He says, we sing when all my labors and trials are o'er, and I'm safe on that beautiful shore. Just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. And then the chorus, glory for me, glory for me. Uh, however, unless our attitudes towards the dear Lord we adore and our appreciation of him change greatly, uh, 
Heaven may be more a shock than of glory. Once in a while we hear the term heaven, the TV commercial of the girl eating a sandwich made with Best Foods mayonnaise. She takes a bite and says, heaven? <laughs> if you think a blob of mayonnaise is heaven, you're sure clear off base. You sure don't even know what you're thinking about. Some have compared heaven with a kiss or a stolen night's stay with a lover. Or I hear people say, I think it'd be heaven to own that car or to live in a house like that or taste that food. None of these things even come close to heaven. By the way, people also say things like, that cake is to die for. Nothing we eat is to die for. Maybe to kill for, but not to die for. Somehow, heaven's lost its importance. 71% of Americans say they believe there's life beyond the grave, and yet people rarely talk about it. Our focus is totally on the here and now. My grandma used to tell me about heaven and how wonderful it was going to be, and, and she made a date with me that when uh, I get up there, she's going to meet me at the Eastern Gate, and we're going to tour heaven and enjoy it together. But you know, the thing that I'm really looking forward to is we're going to get to see Jesus Christ. We sing the song, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Why don't Christians think about heaven anymore? You can bet persecuted Christians in North Korea, Egypt, Iraq, Iran, all those places where Christians are being persecuted today, they're thinking about heaven. There are reasons that uh, interest in heaven has declined. We've gotten way too comfortable here. We hear people criticize and say, oh, Christians just think about pie in the sky by and by. And so we're hesitant to mention heaven. We're afraid someone will jeer about pie in the sky and say that we're trying to escape from the duty of making a happy world here and our ended dreams of a happy world elsewhere. But either there's pie in the sky or there isn't. If there isn't, then Christianity is false because that doctrine is woven into the whole fabric of the Bible. If there is, then this truth must be faced, whether it's useful at political meetings or not. You know, we, we need to realize there's a heaven. Christians don't emphasize heaven anymore. We're into the name it, claim it stuff, trying to build our fortunes here. We get the idea that God will give you a red Mercedes now. He'll give you whatever you want now if you just name it and claim it. You know, that's a bunch of hooey. Our society has been creeping toward paganism. They say man's just like a dog or a cow or an elephant. Death is the end, period. There's nothing out beyond that. Boy, will they be surprised one day when they face Jesus Christ. We use hospice, death and dying, you know, to, to make people comfortable while they're dying. We, we want just to make the person comfortable and uh, they're passing away easy. Load them up with drugs and painkillers so they won't know what's going on. There may be some value in helping a person not to suffer, but you rarely hear of deathbed experiences because people are kept too drugged up. Uh, my friend Leroy Rabel said the family gathered around Gwen Rabel's bed when she was dying. They sang and read scriptures and prayed until the angels ushered her home. What a blessed thing to know that we are going to be able to go home. 
There used to be a black song evangelist family in the Church of the Nazarene by the name of Lacey. I loved to hear the Laceys sing. They were so much fun. One of their favorites was the Grumbler song. Well, they had a special relationship with the district superintendent of the Seattle Pacific District of the Church of the Nazarene, Dr. B.V. Seals. One day, Mrs. Lacey became very ill. She was in the hospital. The doctor said it was uh, fatal. She wouldn't come out of it. So the Lacey family was called to be with her at this time of need. As the family gathered around her bed, she began to say, Dr. Seals, I didn't know you were here. Her family said, no, Mama, Dr. Seals is in Seattle. She insisted that she saw Dr. Seals and that he was standing next to Jesus. And no matter how the family tried to explain that she was hallucinating, she continued to talk to Dr. Seals. After she died, her family called the Seals home to tell them that Mom had passed away. Imagine their surprise to find that Dr. Seals had died earlier that day. You know, we fight the idea of death, but it'll happen to all of us unless Jesus Christ takes us home in the rapture. Every one of you is going to die. Most of us will go through several phases when we find we're dying. Uh, they've, they've studied this in psychology. The five stages of attitudes towards death is first denial can't happen to me it's somebody else anger I really don't want to do this right now bargaining with God and saying Lord if you'll touch my body I'll do this and so and then depression and finally accepting the fact that they're about to die and that's the ultimate goal here Philip Yancey studied small groups of dying people he said they never talked about heaven because this would be denial. That's stage number one. Older images of heaven have lost their appeal. People used to talk about streets of gold and sing about mansions over the hilltop uh, and, and all, and, you know, look forward to the fact that one day we're going to be with Jesus. In Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, uh, he had Huckleberry say all a body would have to do was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. That Walt Rice said we'd sing 300,000 stanzas of Just As I Am. You know, the old slaves used to sing, Gonna lay down my burden down by the riverside. They envisioned heaven as a place to rest for eternity. Listen. We're not going to sit around heaven on clouds and be bored for all eternity. God will have plenty for us to do when we get there. Heaven should offer hope. Without that hope, being a Christian is meaningless. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. What do we know about heaven? Today, when we talk about heaven, we're really talking about paradise. You know, paradise is, is where people go when they die, and we're all going to be there until finally, after the great white throne judgment, God opens up the new heaven and the new earth. So paradise is wonderful, but it's temporary. I've thought a lot about it lately. I've remembered the different people that I've really had a close relationship with that have died. I mentioned Gwen Rabel. Uh, Ron Anderson, my friend, just recently died. Katie Wagner, a young teenager, died, left a tremendous testimony. My sister Peggy and 
my friend Tom Kistner, they're, they're all in heaven. I don't know what it's like because I haven't been there yet. It's like my desire to go to Alaska. That's been one of my life goals, but I've not been there yet. I've read about it. I know about it. I try to picture it, but I can't quite get grasped what it's like. And that's the same way with heaven. I've read about it. I know about it. I try to picture it. I know it's real. And I know there are a lot of fine people there. One author said, as a boy, I thought of heaven was a city with domes, spires, and beautiful streets inhabited by angels. When my little brother died, I thought of heaven much as before, but with one inhabitant that I knew. Then another died, and then some of my acquaintances. In time, I began to think of heaven as containing several people that I knew. Then one of my own children died and began to think I had treasure in heaven myself. Afterward, another went, and yet another. In time, I knew so many people in heaven that I no longer thought of it as a city merely with streets of gold, but as a place full of inhabitants. Now there are so many loved ones there, I sometimes think I know more people in heaven than I do here on earth. Our spirits will enjoy living with Christ in paradise, but paradise isn't our eternal home. We won't dwell in the new heaven and new earth until after the final white throne judgment has happened. Paradise will last until the second coming of Jesus Christ when we'll move back to earth and Christ will reign during the millennium a thousand years here on earth. Satan during that time will be chained and thrown into the bottomless pit so he can no longer tempt people. Antichrist, the false prophet, will be cast into the lake of fire. When Christ comes back at the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, he'll rejuvenate and transform the world. God's going to cleanse and rejuvenate his original heaven and earth because they're tainted with sin. Lucifer was in heaven when he sinned and rebelled against God. God is not going to allow sin in his new heaven. In Revelation 21:27, nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. People, it's so important your name is in the Lamb's book of life. After the second coming, we'll have our glorified bodies on the new earth for a thousand years. These bodies will be indestructible, not subject to sickness and death, and will make heaven so much more enjoyable. There'll be a remnant of people who survive the tribulation and will carry on normal lives, getting married and raising families. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loosed for a little while to tempt and destroy whoever he can. And this will involve those born into the remnant during the millennium. Christ will finally bring everything to a halt. He'll resurrect the wicked from Hades and conduct the great white throne judgment. Those in the second resurrection, the wicked, will also receive indestructible bodies, which will make hell so much worse. Then the wicked will be cast into hell, and the righteous will be ushered into the new heaven for all eternity. Man, that's wonderful. What will the new heaven be like? We'll already have been changed to be like Jesus, given new bodies at the rapture. 
And Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Yes, we'll have new personalities. We won't be tainted with sin and temptation, but we'll still be recognizable. We'll rule with Jesus. Kings of the new Jerusalem, kings of the world will enter Jerusalem. Revelation 21, 24 says, the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. There'll be no bad people there, no, no sinful people, no and there'll be no midnight helicopter flying overhead, you know, trying to find where the criminals are because nothing impure will enter the city. In Revelation 21, 27, nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be those kings and priests. Revelation 1, 6 says, he has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 22, 5 says, And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. And then we'll be able to see our loved ones that have gone on before us. In fact, the Bible says that uh, when Jesus comes at the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, and then we will all be caught up to be with him in the air. What a tremendous thing. I'll see my grandma. I'll see my mom. I'll see my, all the loved ones I have that were ready when they died, and, and, and Jesus Christ took them to be with him for eternity. It'll be a place of activity, no boredom. You know, people say, well, how in the world are we going to go do things forever? There'll be plenty of things to do. Heaven's going to be a vast city, not apartments for retirees. All harmful things will end. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All those things are gone forever. Revelation 22, 3, no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. The end of suffering and death and insecurity. I had somebody tell me one time, there'll be no cemeteries on the hills of heaven. What a wonderful thing. And the presence of God will focus, be the focus of heaven. He will rule on his throne. Revelation 22, 3. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. And then number two, he will be the light of the city. Revelation 22, 5. There'll be no light there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. He will be the temple. In Revelation 21, 22, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. God will be the source of our eternal life. Revelation 22, 1, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be 
with God's holy people. Uh, the, the river is a fountain. In Revelation 21, 6, it says, and he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. It, it talks about a beautiful river flows from the throne of, of God. Revelation 22, 1 through 3. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine and to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. You know, the river nourishes the tree of life, and that's the same tree that God had to keep Adam and Eve away from after they sinned in the Garden of Eden. The trees bear fruit, which heals the nations. What can I tell you about heaven, really? Well, actually nothing. It's so far beyond my comprehension that I can't even imagine what it must be like. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye can, has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And best of all, we're going to be able to see Jesus face to face. We're going to be able to bask in, in, in the presence of Almighty God. I don't want to miss it. I want to be there. I guess the most important question about heaven is, are you going there? Here in this world, God bids us come. There in the next, he'll bid us welcome. You're welcome to go to heaven, but each person must make their own commitment. You need to choose if you're going to be there or not. If you've not confessed your sins to Jesus Christ, if you're not asked him to be your personal savior, you won't be included in this wonderful place. Not everyone will get to heaven, only those who have repented and accepted Jesus. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. But many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Listen, I want to be in heaven. I want to meet you in heaven too. I want us to gather around the throne of grace, of God's throne, and sing and listen to all the things going on and rejoice because we finally made it to what God intended for us in the first place. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, there are people listening to me today that don't have the assurance of heaven. They don't know that they've got a home plan for them, that if they accept you as their personal savior, that you're going to take them through. They're bogged down in thinking of the temporal things of this earth that are going to pass away. And they're not realizing there are treasures that they can have in heaven that will last for all eternity. Search our hearts. If there's somebody that's listening that doesn't know you as their savior, help them to confess their sins and and ask you to come into their life and then to begin to live for you and be your person, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is lowercase rev wmwoods 
at gmail.com. That stands for Reverend William W. Woods at gmail.com. My mailing address is William Woods, Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. We're praying for you. God bless you. If there's anything, any way I can help you, please contact me and let me know. And some of you have said, well, you know, how can we support this program? Well, you send a check to Bill Woods and uh, to that address I gave you, and you'd mark on the bottom what the check is for, put Church of the Galilean, G-A-L-I-L-E-A-N. God bless you. We'll talk to you again, and see you next week.